In the United States, the battle over access to abortion is taking place at every level of society, from the Supreme Court to a parking lot outside the last abortion clinic in Mississippi, where pro-life protesters are facing off against pro-choice volunteers. Oh, ladies, why are you here to murder children? Why are you here to do this wicked thing? In Mississippi and across the United States, pro-life campaigners are hoping that a major victory in the Supreme Court this year could make getting an abortion much harder. The U.S. Supreme Court will take up its most important abortion rights case in 30 years. The state of Mississippi is asking the justices to overturn Roe versus Wade and end constitutional protections for women who want to end a pregnancy. The abortion situation in America could change dramatically by this coming summer. Millions and millions and millions of people will be affected by this. I'm Sarah Chapalak and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today we ask, what does the Mississippi Supreme Court case mean for the future of abortion services in the United States? Irish Times Washington correspondent Martin Wall has been reporting from the front line of America's battle for abortion rights in Mississippi. Martin, you visited Jackson, Mississippi last week. Um, Had you been to that part of the US before? And can you tell us a little bit about the place, what it was like? Mississippi is uh, one of the poorest states in the United States. Jackson is the home of the legislature. You can see it's a city that needs investment. There are a lot of vacant lots I spent some time around the train station waiting for a train that never arrived to try and move on on my travels. And around the train station, there's a lot of dereliction. In many ways, it reminded me of parts of Dublin in the 1980s. In terms of poverty levels, it is one of the poorer states. But you couldn't meet more hospitable people. The reason I was there was to see the a place called the Pink House, which is the last operational abortion centre in Mississippi. The significance of that is is that the uh, the pink house in in Jackson, Mississippi, is at the centre of a current Supreme Court case, which could ultimately, and many fear will, dilute, if not end, existing arrangements for abortion across the whole United States. So, the the issue of abortion legislation in Mississippi and the events at the pink house itself are quite significant in the in the broader overall context of abortion rights across the United States. What is the current legal situation around abortion in Mississippi at the moment? How accessible is it for a woman? Okay, well, the rules governing abortion in Mississippi are the same as governing elsewhere in the United States. The Supreme Court in 1973, in a very famous case called Roe versus Wade, determined that there was a constitutional right for Americans to have um, abortion in certain circumstances up to the time of viability, which is generally considered 22, 23 weeks. So within that, there are overarching constitutional rights. However, over the various years, there have been moves made by the legislature in Mississippi and elsewhere to try restrict or put in place what campaigners would see as impediments to people exercising that rights, such as people having to have cooling off periods, maybe 24 hours. There is a ban on abortions in relation to conditions such as Down syndrome, etc., etc. So you have been to Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, in the last week, and you spoke to people there who are involved at the only abortion clinic in Mississippi. Can you tell us a bit about what you saw there? The, firstly, just to draw a picture in terms of the, the geography, it's in one of the main streets in the city, one of the main it's bars, shops, restaurants. And then there's this really vivid pink building 
surrounded by a fence, but the entrance to it is through a car park at the rear. On the side street, on the days that it is open, there are pro-life campaigners. Now, the day I went to it, there was about four or five people there. People were being called murderers. They were being called killers. They were being called that they had murder in their heart. They were told to repent and come on to Jesus. They were told, why are you doing this? It's not the baby's fault. This is due to your selfishness. All of that kind of stuff was being shouted. In one instance, a young woman was exiting the clinic. She came out, she picked up her phone and she called a number and a car drove up the street, obviously, to pick her up. Some of the protesters began to shout at her, you know, you're murdering your heart, ma'am. In the parlance of the the American pro-life movement, the people who stand outside the clinic are called sidewalk counsellors who aim at, their aim is to uh, intercept women going to the, the clinic and offer them the potential of alternatives to abortion. That's their argument. How that stands vis-a-vis people shouting invective about murderers and killers doesn't jar slightly with that uh, idea of we're here to provide alternatives. But um, as I say, that is just what I experienced on the day, on the, the from that side. So, anyway, yes. Kim, start off, tell me yes. your name, please. My name is Kim Gibson, G-I-B-S-O-N. I'm a volunteer clinic escort, clinic defender at Jackson Women's Health Organization. At Side the Abortion Clinic, you also spoke to a woman called Kim Gibson. Can you tell us a little bit about her and what her role was there? What we have, we've discussed a second ago, just the people who were on the road outside who were the pro-life activists who were trying to dissuade people from going in. Inside the car park were a group of three or four women, and they are what's called a volunteer escorts. What that involves is basically making sure that the patients that come here feel as safe and as comfortable as possible and as supported as possible in getting to the clinic from their car door to the clinic door in the face of some really unattractive protesters that are very intimidating, very loud, and really have no input to their health care decisions. Do you think this job is important? It is important. I, I joke with myself and others sometimes. This is a reason. 387 I do this. There's any number of reasons it's important. The primary one is the patients do not deserve to be harangued by strangers here mm-hmm. or any clinic because it happens at more clinics than just this. And people have no idea that this is going on. The general public has generally no idea what happens outside these clinics. And how long have you been doing this particular role? I have been here since 2017, February. So um, I am here a long time. We'll probably have to move away from him because that's who he is. Why don't you tell the story of those There's who are the story being right there, people like you. Why don't you tell the story of those who so are being anyway, murdered here today? Well, this, so that's what were we talking about? That this is a crime I don't know that you'll be able to hear me over him. You just want to be here to interview mm-hmm. people that kill other people? Can I also ask about the doctors who are operating in places like the Pink House? Um, the ones that go to Jackson, are they local? And what is it like being a doctor who is carrying out abortions in these conservative, very much anti-abortion states? They, they face certain risks, don't they? Well, the basic answer is, is that local doctors do not perform those services. And what happens is that there are doctors are flown in. And they fly in for a couple of days from out of state. They, there are there have been articles uh, published about particular doctors flying in from uh, Massachusetts, you know, liberal Northeast America, fly in for a couple of days, fly out. And that is the way it's done. 
because these people have harassed local doctors and stigmatized abortions so much and threatened them. Doctors are businesses in many ways in America, and that if you were seen to be involved in that in that kind of area of practice, then your other area of practice would also would suffer as well financially. So it's not worth their while either socially, economically, or professionally. Back in 2018, the Mississippi state legislature created a law that banned abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. It didn't come into effect because it was ruled unconstitutional, but that was challenged in the courts and now will be decided on in the US Supreme Court in a landmark case called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now, many legal experts believe this Dobbs versus Jackson ruling, which is going to happen next summer, could lead to the dilution of the constitutional right to abortion in America that, as you've explained, Martin, was established by Roe versus Wade judgment nearly 50 years ago. What exactly does the Supreme Court have to consider now when it's coming to a decision on the Dobbs versus Jackson case? We have to bear in mind the complexion of the court. The court is very different now than it was in 1973. The Senate has just voted to confirm President Trump's nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to succeed Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, cementing a solid conservative majority on the court. Uh, Donald Trump as president appointed three nominees to the court, and the court now has a 6-3 conservative majority. I think there, there could be three options. It could leave it alone. It could leave Roe v. Wade alone and just say Roe v. Wade is precedent and we're not changing it. Many legal experts, having heard the oral arguments in the case, believe that that's unlikely and the court is leaning towards changing it. The the standard that was set in Roe v. Wade dealt with the issues of viability and when viability was and whatever else. They could lower that standard, bring it down to the 15 weeks or whatever. Chief Justice John Roberts suggested he would uphold the Mississippi law without explicitly overturning Roe. If it really is an issue about choice, why is 15 weeks not enough time? Or they could completely overturn it. They could completely say that there is no overarching constitutional right in the U.S. Constitution to abortion. Several of the court's conservatives appeared willing to rule for abortion opponents who say Roe was wrongly decided and should be overturned, even though abortion rights have been the law of the land for almost 50 years. And what would happen at that point is, is that the issue of legislation or regulation of abortion services would go back to individual states. Now, there would be a very different view in California, in Massachusetts, in New York, than there would be in the South. A number of states have introduced what are called trigger laws. And trigger laws basically are, um, as the name suggests, they would be triggered if the Supreme Court protections were lifted. So states such as Mississippi have put in place trigger laws that would restrict or ban abortions. If the Supreme Court decided in June that the abortion protections no longer um, apply, those trigger laws would come into effect immediately. How many states do we think this will happen in and how quickly do you think this will all roll out? Academic institutes who are on the pro-choice side maintain that there could be up to 26 states would have either bans or restrictions could be put in place. It depends on what the Supreme Court actually does. Does it overrule Roe v. Wade completely and send everything back to individual state legislatures or does it put into a place that yes there is a constitutional right but only to a an earlier point in pregnancy than uh, the Roe v. Wade standard in 1973? If it does one thing, there'll be one answer. If it does something else, there'll be, there'll be another answer. But the campaigners in the car park who, and, the, and the pink house maintain that any form of dilution in Mississippi, let alone a complete 
ban that will it will basically mean that abortions will de facto not be available in Mississippi. And the same will apply in many other parts of the country. All of the South, and I'm talking about Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, more than Georgia's a little slower, Florida, mm. Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky has one clinic, that'll probably happen. All of these more than likely So basically the fear among pro choice campaigners is is that rather than having a universal across the country constitutional right to abortion in a certain circumstances that what will be what will happen in the summer will be left with a patchwork of arrangements different states having different arrangements but probably whole swathes of the southern part of the United States where there would either be no abortion or very restricted levels of abortion are far more restricted than are present depending on what way the Supreme Court actually rules. And this Supreme Court hearing that is coming up, um, this has actually been years in the making, right? I mean, anti-abortion campaigners have been building this movement over the decades to overturn Roe v. Wade. Do you think this could be the moment they've been working towards? There was a big pro-life march in Washington um, a few weeks ago. It is truly an honour to stand with you today. Thank you for all that you defend life. God bless you all. And they believe it's so close now that they can touch it. They can almost touch it. We meet this year with fresh hope and heightened expectation that by at least affirming the Mississippi pro-life law and perhaps going even further with Texas, the Supreme Court may soon take a powerful step towards inclusion, justice, and respect for the weakest and most vulnerable. We are here to say equality begins in the womb and the injustice of abortion need not be forever. The Republican Party strategized for years and the pro-life movement strategized for years that the way to deal with Roe v. Wade, as they saw, the problem of abortion, it was never going to be dealt to their satisfaction through the Congress because they were very unlikely to get the numbers in Congress to change the law. So the way to change was through the Supreme Court, to have Supreme Court justices who were uh, conservative appointed and through happenstance, fate, or you can say ruthless or cynical politics, Donald Trump had the opportunity to appoint people that changed the complexion of the Supreme Court in a way that the pro-life movement believe will deliver a judgment in June or July that they have been waiting for for years. They believe and legal scholars believe in America based on what they heard and the way the judges uh, conducted the case and comments that they made in the course of the case. They believe that the court is minded for change and the consequences that flow from that um, will be felt across America. So, Martin, just bringing this all back to when you were in Jackson, Mississippi last week and you were speaking to that volunteer, Kim Gibson, in the car park of the abortion clinic. What does Kim think will be the outcome and the long term implications of the Supreme Court decision? She believes that if the Supreme Court overturns the rights set out in Roe v. Wade or puts in place much more restrictions, that the pink house where she stands in the car park will be closed overnight. Within hours, it'll be shut down. The issue of crisis pregnancy won't go away. There will still be women with crisis pregnancies. But what they will have is that they will end up having to either go through with a pregnancy against their wishes, or else they're going to have to scrape together money from family, friends, whatever it may be, and travel, and travel large distances. 
Illinois and New Mexico are going to be the closest for Georgia. It'll take a minute to, well, no, I take that back because they have one on the books that's been stayed by the courts. As soon as this changes, that ban of theirs mm-hmm. will come into play as well. So so where would somebody, how far would somebody from in Mississippi have to travel? They would have to go hours. Uh, they hours would, yes. It would be to yep. New Mexico, yep. which is across Texas, yes. which is at least a two-day drive. And people will resort to desperate things just as they did before. They will do horrible things to themselves, attempting to, because women will always attempt to find a way. On the other side of the fence, pro-life side, maintain, well, if the option isn't there, and I'm paraphrasing that, but if the option isn't there, that other options will come into play. That the issues in relation to adoption, women uh, decide to keep their pregnancy or maintain their pregnancy, will be there, and that women will opt for those alternative options in the absence of local abortion services. I suppose the proof of the pudding would be as to what happens when the Supreme Court rules. But uh, there are two very different, very, very different viewpoints. That's all for today. My thanks to our guest, Martin Wall, and you can read more of Martin's reporting from the United States on irishtimes.com. Today's episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.